TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into a new week, a new edition of Voice the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is Monday, August 21st. We are 12 days away from kickoff. East Carolina and Michigan going at it in the big house. They'll be doing so not too long from now in Ann Arbor. Pleasure to be with you on this Monday afternoon. We are live on Facebook, live on YouTube, live on Twitter, X, whatever they call it. I still got to get used to that, but we'll figure it out eventually. Uh, if you got a question, you got a comment, let us know. We'll get to it throughout the next hour. We're going live till 1 p.m. on this Monday afternoon, but definitely tune in, tune in. If you're not on the radio, tune in. Take your lunch break. Enjoy some time talking ECU football with myself and also Philip Pilkington. He is in the 94.3 The Game studios alongside today. Philip, we're coming off media day this past Saturday inside Town Bank Tower. It was a lot of fun getting to talk to the ECU coaches, the players. And to me, this is always like turning the page. And now football season is pretty much officially here. Yeah, I feel like it is. I finally was kind of getting the goosebumps on Saturday. I don't know about you, Stephen, but like you said, you really feel like it's finally here. And yeah, we've had fall camp now for three weeks, but when you're out there, it's still kind of like, ah, oh, this is just practice. But when you hear them start talking about the opponent, when you've realized that was the last scrimmage for the team in true 11-on-11 format with officials until they go to Ann Arbor. And uh, like you said, it's here. I mean, heck, we've got college football this weekend. Unfortunately, it's not pirate football, but I'm looking forward to week zero because you know that means pirate football is just right around the corner. Yeah, week zero. We may have to preview the slate of games before today's show is over with Philip, just because I'm, I'm excited about it. We were talking before the show as well. May have to even do an MLB uh, playoff race update because the Seattle Mariners, my Seattle Mariners, swept the Houston Astros. Your Boston Red Sox swept the New York Yankees, so it was a good week for us on the diamond. It was. But, of course, we'll talk some some pirate football. And, and uh, just to give you guys kind of a rundown of this week, a lot of a lot of fun things in store for Hoist the Colors uh, for, for Pirate fans this coming week. We're going to run a ton of media day audio today. We'll get into the discussion here shortly with Philip about what stood out from media day, what we kind of picked up. I'll, I'll kind of talk about, too, what I heard about the scrimmage, which was the final scrimmage of preseason camp. And we're going to be running a lot of that audio today. We'll have a reaction from that. Tuesday, we are scheduled to talk with ECU defensive coordinator Blake Harrell. And we also are efforting, efforting to get Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator. We'll have him on at some point this week. Might be Tuesday, might be later in the week as well. Wednesday, we're going to have Clay Walker. He is the general manager of ECU Sports Properties. He's going to be in studio. We'll talk with him. Playfly, of course, he works for Playfly. Uh, he runs the ECU division of that, known as ECU Sports Properties and the ECU Sports Network. If you've been wondering what that is, you've been seeing on social media, we'll get into that discussion with Clay. We'll talk a lot about that and big shows on the way. The coaches show starts next week. Sup show as well from Sup Dogs. We'll kind of preview that and more with Clay on Wednesday. We've got JJ McLamb scheduled for Thursday. He is the uh, internal operations associate AD over at ECU. He does he does it all. If you see JJ on campus, he's running around. He's on the phone. 
he's doing something in regards to ECU athletics. So we'll talk to JJ about what's in store, especially from a Daddy Ficklin Stadium perspective and other operations news uh, around the campus, the athletics campus on Thursday heading into the season. And then Friday we'll have Joseph Sampson back. Uh, of course, he made his debut last week on HTC. Long time, uh, 94.3, dating back to the, the spring, long time intern with 94.3, but his first appearance on Hoist the Colors. He'll be back Friday. We'll preview the ECU defense. So, Philip Pilkington is with us today, though, Philip, and a ton of interviews, man. And, like, we used to have, uh, we used to have hours to do media day. And I don't know if you were, you were around then. I was. You may yeah. have been much younger if you were. And, uh, you know, it's been a few years now since we had that opportunity. Now they kind of cut our time down to 20 minutes with the coaches, 20 minutes with the players. So much like yourself, I was kind of running around with my head cut off on Saturday. It flies by. We don't have quite enough time as we all like. But just your initial impressions of media day, like uh, any anybody, anything stand out from, from your conversations with coaches, coaches and players? Off the top of my head, I can't think of one specific point, but what I can think of, and this went with every coach I talked to, and I was fortunate enough in that 20 minutes to get with, I believe, four or five coaches. And when you talk about, hey, what's the depth like at your position group? You know, in the past, they talked about their starters and maybe one other guy. And especially when you talk to the defensive coaches, you know, talking uh, with, um, uh, coach Weaver, sorry, the, the safeties coach. You know, he was talking about, obviously, we've got two returning starters there in Julius Wood and in Tegan Wilk, but he went on to talk about all the depth and how he doesn't expect those two guys to play every play, and that's not a knock on those two, but this team is deeper than it's ever been, or at least in my time here. and In Coach Houston's time here, it's deeper than it's ever been, which I think, A, pushes the starters to be better because they know their job can be taken very easily. Secondly, if an injury does happen, obviously we don't want it to happen, but it's part of the game, the guy stepping in is not a huge fall off from the guy that he is stepping in for. And as well as what we mentioned with those guys not playing every snap within a game, Guys can stay fresh come the fourth quarter, and I don't think that's just going to be the safety position. I, you know, I talked about Coach Weaver talking about it, but I spoke with a handful of coaches, and all of them continued to talk about depth, 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 and how many guys they're going to get on the field. Yeah, I agree with that, and it it kind of it's interesting because I do feel like this team is deeper at various positions than it ever has been before, Philip. And for me, my my question is, all right. I think the talent from top to bottom with the roster is, is as good as it's ever been. But when you look at kind of the, from the standpoint of, you know, is that the case because nobody's separating themselves or standing out that much and you don't have maybe those top dogs you had in past years? Or is it more a case of, you know, maybe just we don't know enough about the guys so we have to put them in game situations before those calls are, are, are made? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, that could kind of be that where you there is no one separating themselves, unfortunately. And that's why um, a lot of the media, and when I say the media, I don't mean us, but the national media is not picking the Pirates very high in the conference because we don't have all those preseason award winners that we've had the last couple years. So maybe no one is separating themselves, but then in a way, you know, kind of like you said, it's hard to 
say how good a guy is going to be till he's been in a game. You know, there's kind of three levels to evaluating a football player. The first is before you put on full pads and you've got certain kids that look good at practice before you're tackling and taking to the ground. And then there's that first day of hitting and guys that you didn't think were going to separate themselves do and then there's always some guys that you thought were going to be really good and they're not and then there's that final test that third step and that is when there's a hundred thousand people in the stands when it's 11 on 11 the guys across from you are in a different colored uniform and you've got to see who can step up in that position and you know unfortunately like i said a lot of turnover with this roster so we do not know who those guys are going to be in a lot of positions but hey perfect opportunity to learn at Michigan. This is going into a game where you're not expected to win. You know, sometimes you play that first game of the season and you're expected to win. And you know what? So if we lose, we lose. Obviously, we want to win, but we can learn a lot about ourselves in this game and get ready to come back here and play Marshall Week 2 in a game that is a must-win situation. Yeah, and it's it's always interesting to me because we hear about guys in the preseason and the spring all offseason long, and like obviously it's our job to cover cover them, and, and we're talking about them right now because we haven't got to the games yet. But it's like once the ball kicks off, it all goes out the window, and somebody rises to the occasion, looks a million times better than they did on the practice field under under the lights in the spotlight. And then there are others that crush it in practice, but when they get out there on game day, they can't handle it mentally for whatever reason or they can't handle the adversity and they crumble. And there's going to be cases like that, not only for ECU, but for Michigan and other teams across the country as well. That's just part of being, you know, being involved in, in high major sports. It is a different animal when you're on, uh, on the game field under the lights. Um, Philip, did you did you have the chance on Saturday to talk with uh, offensive line coach Alan Mowbridge by chance? No, I did not. I wanted to, but uh, there was some guy wearing an HTC shirt that was uh, kind of uh, hogging him for most of the day, it seemed like. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I <laughs> Malcolm Gray, who works for ECU Media Relations, came by, I think, twice to tell me to wrap it up, you know, because uh, the coach's time was running over. I, I, and we'll play the interview here in a little bit uh, later in the show. But um, the guy, he just talks, man. He's a, he's a talker, which is a good thing for us in this business. He was uh, he was intense. He was looking. I felt like he was staring into my soul during the whole conversation <laughs> and like coaching me. Uh, he was like coaching me like I was one of his offensive linemen. He was like going through each step and like talking about philosophy and all this stuff. I don't know what I actually learned from the conversation, Philip, other than I feel like I can write, write a book on philosophy now. <laughs> so we'll get to that that conversation later. Um, w- were there any player interviews or coach interviews that you really enjoyed on Saturday? Yeah, I enjoyed talking to – so Hampton Ergel and Parker Moore were sitting there together, so it was kind of a, a two-interview in one right there. And talking to Hampton, who got to start last year in the bowl game, as well as Parker, who has uh, obviously a lot of experience, and just hearing them talk about how well this offensive line is coming together, considering four of the starters from last year, for, for most of the season, I should say, from last year, will not be on the field on September the 2nd. And – they really you could tell it wasn't just they were saying the right thing they meant what they said when they talked about how well the communication had gotten as you worked down the offensive line and Hampton was talking about his relationship with Mason and Alex and how they are on the same page already at you know picking stuff out pre-snap because that center quarterback relationship is probably the most important relationship on a football field it's not one people think about a lot but if they are calling out different things 
pre-snap, the whole offense has no idea what's going on. And Hampton seems to have faith in his quarterbacks. He seems like he believes the quarterbacks have faith in him. You know, Parker's one of those older guys who's been in the program. He always talks about he's the quiet guy. He likes to lead by example. And, you know, he just talked about how he seemed, he has realized how all the young guys are coming along who are putting in the effort on that offensive line because the offense starts with the offensive line. If they don't block, nothing else matters. And I really feel good about this offensive line going into September 2nd. Love Hampton, Argo's story. Love Parker Moore as well. I uh, caught up with them. And a couple other standouts for me individually. Uh, enjoyed talking with Siobhan Rebel, who I think we'll hear his name a lot this year in the cornerback room. He talked about his experience of almost not showing up to the prospect camp that ended up landing him the offer. So we'll hear from him in a little bit as well. Uh, we got other player interviews and other coaches' interviews. Enjoy talking with Ra Ra Dilworth, the North Carolina transfer. He, he made some interesting comments about kind of how it's different at ECU compared to UNC. So we'll get to those interviews here in a little bit. Uh, by the way, we are live again on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Drop us your comments. We'll get to them. Uh, Justice Bradburn says, love the show. Wants to know when we're doing our game-by-game season predictions, Philip. So uh, that, that's a good question because, honestly, I had not planned on doing that on the show. But what do you think about next Monday? Game week? Yeah. Game-by-game predictions? I say it's the perfect way to start off game week. I mean, obviously, we want to talk about Michigan, but I think we could definitely do a uh, segment where we uh, go ahead and talk about all 12 Pirate opponents here in the 2023 calendar. Absolutely. You know, the players can't look ahead, but we can and we will. Let's do it next Monday, uh, either either to start the show or to end the show. We'll go game by game predictions because we will make our game day. You know, we'll make game predictions throughout the season on the show, uh, Philip, and you'll be on every Monday. So we'll definitely do that with you. So we might as well do them all to begin with and then you know we can adjust and nobody will remember our predictions by the end of the year hopefully not somebody there's gonna be one guy who's out there like holding it over our head like week eight's gonna come around and we're gonna be playing whoever the heck we're playing in week eight and he's gonna be like but you said back on august what will even the date be at that point 28th or uh yeah august 28th you said this there's me that one guy who probably does remember but you know that'll make it fun there's always that one guy who'll never let us forget it. Uh, Gil is t- tuned in as well. He says, says, what up, Jay Searles? So I guess he's tuned in uh, watching along with his friend Jay. So uh, thank you guys for joining the chat. Again, any questions, comments, drop them. We'll get to them throughout the show. We always like to make it interactive as possible. All right, let's get our first break in. On the other side, we got our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week to get to. We're going to do that every Monday as well. We'll tell you who that is. And then we'll dive into some of the media day interviews as well. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this edition of Hoist the Colors. Monday, August 21st, 12 days from kickoff. Philip Pilkington is in the 94.3 The Game studios with us. And we're going to get to uh, a lot of your comments and questions rolling in. We'll get to those here shortly. I do want to first do our East Coast Agency Pirates of the Week. And usually we're going to do really some Pirates coming off ECU performances. But we did Gavin Williams last week. We're going to go back to the professional ranks because, of course, there are no real ECU games going on right now, at least on the football team. And uh, So 
we could talk about the scrimmages and big performances coming out of that, but we're going to stick to the professional ranks and our Pirate of the Week East Coast Agency. Holton Aylers, the former back, has put together a second strong performance with the Seattle Seahawks this preseason, seeing the most action of his young professional career. He actually got more than 30 snaps in this weekend's win over the Cowboys, 22-14. to 14. Got to take a knee. To, to wrap up the game, he went 7 of 13, 61 yards, managed the game really well. Seven rushing attempts for 42 yards. Uh, did have a fumble, but it did, he did not lose it. But again, more than 30 snaps, managed the game, led the Seahawks to some scoring drives, uh, ended up winning the game, and the Seahawks improved to 2-0. You look at his overall performance this preseason, he is now 11 of 17. For over 100 yards, one touchdown, no picks. He's been sacked once. He also has 13 rushing attempts for 68 yards, averaging right around five yards per carry. So, Holton Aylers, our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. East Coast Agency brings you our Pirate of the Week. Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina in September of 2018 and brought with it an estimated $17 billion in damage statewide. Neighborhoods and businesses were severely damaged and insurance losses reach the billions. Storm season lasts until November, so it's important to make sure you have the right coverage. Are you ready for a storm to hit? Visit East Coast Agency at eca-insure.com or call at 910-446-5061. It doesn't matter who your insurance agent is until it does. So Holt Naylor's our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. Philip, I, I, you know, I had – I don't want to say I had – Low expectations for Holton going into the NFL because, like, that wouldn't be fair. I expected him to, to definitely have a shot to make it, given his intelligence, given how well, how well he played as a senior at ECU. But I got to say, he's probably performed better than even I imagined and is looking at a, a potential spot on the Seattle Seahawks roster right away as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I think he is. Obviously, he's in a good situation in the fact that they do only have three quarterbacks, and we can get into that in a second. But um, I'm not going to lie, I did not stay up for the game this week, but I did stay up for his first game, and uh, I just noticed him making a lot of mature plays. You know, you brought up how smart he is, and I think he threw two or three checkdowns in that game, and it was solely because the play broke down, and he kept his eyes down the field, kept his eyes down the field, and then finally at the last second, he realized – the only option was to check the ball down. And then he had a few rushing attempts where it was the same thing, where it was a pass play originally, kept his eyes down the field, kept his eyes down the field, play broke down. He didn't run, you know, right away. Like we saw the issue with Malik Willis last year. It's like the minute the first guy wasn't open, he was taken off. Holton was very patient. And, uh, you know, coaches like that. And they like the guys that, for that, not only to play in the game, but to run their scout team offense because guys that are that mature can learn the other team's offense very quickly and give their starting defense a good look throughout the week. So Drew Locke actually went down with a, I guess, a hyperextended knee during the game, and that led to Holton playing more than 30 snaps coming in the second quarter. We'll see how many snaps he gets this week. Again, third week of the preseason. I would expect Geno Smith to play some. Also, Drew Locke, we'll see what his health status is. Uh, but I think Holton's done enough from an impression standpoint to really, really put himself in a good spot there, and hopefully Seattle doesn't bring in another QB. You've also got the fact of a – 53-man roster at this point, but also if he makes that, he can now serve as the emergency third quarterback on game day, actually not dress out. But then if, you know, for example, if Geno and Drew Locke go down, he could then become active and finish out the game. This was a new rule implemented by the NFL 
after the 49ers debacle last year uh, in the playoffs. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to some of your comments before we run some audio here uh, quickly. Uh, Christian Bateman says, I go should do an all-exclusive ECU college game day every Saturday. Uh, I go, Sa Seymour, Macy O'Donnell, some guy named Clip. I, I don't know who that is. Never heard of him. We'll have to get <laughs> Philip in, in Clip's spot. Um, what do you think about it? I mean, we, we do do the pregame show with Patrick Johnson. I am planning to be on that this year. Uh, I believe you'll be a part of that as well, Philip. So we do do the pregame show. I don't know if that counts as college game day, but we'll do our best. Well, I think this year we've got a lot more uh, a lot more people in there. Patrick and Terrence have done a great job in the past, but it's a, you know it's a two person show in the past. But now I think with their point of college game day styles, they'll be you know we'll have four or five guys, which we will this year, and uh, we'll have a lot more like fun segments and stuff because we have more people so yeah i'm looking forward to it i think this year is definitely going to be a it's been a great pregame show in the past but i think we're going to take it to the next level this year russ walker says really missing the special teams preview podcast i go he so he uh we had our position previews with macy o'donnell on the hoist colors podcast this summer he uh he's still he's still calling for a special teams preview i'll tell you what russ if you tune in every day this week at 12 noon to one i will do a special teams preview at some point maybe we'll do it with joe on friday to close up the week because we'll talk defense maybe we'll talk some special teams as well and we should know more at that point about where special teams really stands all right justice wants to know does the fact that no starting quarterback has been announced concern us what does it say about the coaching staff is if Mason is not the guy considering he was handpicked by the staff and is three years in? Um, so good questions here from Justice and Philip for me. So I asked Mike Houston to, to wrap up. I was surprised that he wasn't asked about it earlier in Saturday's press conference. And I was like, I'm not going to let this press conference go without asking about the quarterback situation. Not that I expected an answer, but to me, his answer kind of – led me to believe they already have a starter picked out. They're just not naming him yet. And, like, I feel like it's it's going to be Mason Garcia. I heard he had a great scrimmage. It's just Michigan is going to be very interesting and, and I should say tight more than interesting with its info coming out this preseason. So I'm expecting ECU to be the same. Um, I think Mason's the guy whether they announce it or not. And I'm, to me, personally, not making a huge deal about it. I think it says more about Flynn and the improvement he's made into and putting himself in this position rather than Mason not making improvements. Yeah, I think both of those points, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, teams, and it's not just Michigan, it's not just East Carolina, are very private about these things, especially at the college level, even more so than they are at the pro level. It's the same way with injuries throughout the season, right? They're going to know a lot of times on Tuesday or Wednesday if a guy's going to play, but then they'll, you know, they won't tell it. And that's the same thing with this. And, and like you said, it's. It's not a knock on Mason. It's an applaud to Alex Flynn and what he has done here in his time at East Carolina because I think he has really impressed the coaching staff in his time here. Russ wants to know what is a harder place to play at, Rice or UTSA? Um, Russ, I've never been to either place. I will say from a noise perspective, definitely UTSA. I guess I'll go this year, so we'll find out. Uh, but from a hey, bring your own juice or you're going to be flat perspective, definitely rice. So it just depends on the player, I think, right, Philip? Like for me, you know, you'd, would you rather play in an empty arena where nobody's making any noise or a, a hostile arena uh, where, where people are all over you? Uh, personally, when I played, I preferred going to a 
team. I mean, obviously I only played in high school, but with a loud, rowdy student section, because there was nothing better than quieting what was a rambunctious crowd. So uh, I would rather play at UTSA than Rice, because um, from what I understand, playing in COVID and playing at Rice, there are some similarities there. Yeah, I think it's going to be very similar. So the, at least the number of the players have been around on this team, especially that defensive line for the uh, the COVID year. Um all right, last question, then we'll play some audio from Media Day. Gil wants to know, do we think ECU can cover the spread against Michigan? And we'll get more into this conversation next Monday. But just a quick answer here. You know, Michigan, last I checked, favored by 35 points. You know, the closer we get, Phillip, and I'm just – look, I'm going to admit it. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, look, I'm at ECU practice. I'm not at Michigan practice. Uh, so, I'm, I'm starting to come around on this team. I've got question marks. And there are some things that concern me, but I just feel like this is not like Bowling Green playing at Michigan. And, and if Michigan takes the mindset that they're just going to roll out there and, and win easily, I think ECU could put a scare into them. And I, I don't know what the final score will be. I do lean towards ECU covering the 35 right now, and I think it'll be a an interesting game. I'll just put it that way. Your thoughts? I, I think the first quarter will determine who covers the spread. Because like you said, if Michigan kind of comes out and thinks they're going to roll – there's no way they cover the spread. But if they jump on ECU early, I could see a young ECU team struggling, you know, kind of mentally and emotionally if they're down, you know, 21 nothing, you know, two minutes into the second quarter. So I definitely think they can cover. But uh, like I said, those first 10 to 20 minutes of the game will really determine, I think, uh, who covers that spread. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. The, the That first quarter is going to be huge. You know, if ECU could find a way, like I remember when they went to Florida, in uh in 2015 with a new quarterback and went right down the field and 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 scored early in that game and it just that kind of fueled them confidence wise and honestly probably should have won that game in the swamp against what ended up being a very good florida team so uh, look man i've been around ec long enough to know that like it just feels like in these situations and michigan's a different animal because michigan like i mean they're just absolutely loaded but this is when ECU football historically tends to rise to the occasion and, and, and play its best. So we'll see, and we'll get into that conversation next week. All right, let's get into this media day uh, discussion before we, we go too much further. Again, keep your comments, questions coming. We'll get to them in between these, uh, these interviews. We're going to play Tim Dows to start with uh, Clark. Clark Willis producing today, and uh, he is our special teams coordinator. So, Russ... Here's your special teams talk here. We get into that with Tim Dows. We also talk about his position room, which is the defensive end and outside linebackers, the edge room. I don't even know what we're calling it these days. It's got like a bunch of different names and recruiting and football talk. But here's Tim Dows from Media Day on Saturday. Well, Coach, first we'll just get your thoughts on special teams, uh, you know, especially today's scrimmage. How do you feel like it went and then defensively as well from your, your vantage point? How did today's scrimmage go? Um, you know, big picture, special teams-wise, you could see, and you'll hear Coach say it over and over, our roster is deeper. So those core kids, they're longer, they can run faster. Our football team is faster than it's been in the time I've been here and Coach has been here. And, and I feel like the energy and the effort's at an all-time high with that. I think they see where we can and have won games and lost games yeah, in the past few years on special teams and the importance of it. Um, kicking game-wise, I think we have three really good field goal kickers. Um, they've had great camps. Today wasn't their best performance, but they have had, um, I don't know if you've been able to see some of them in practice or whatnot, but they, um, they're they really good, those three kids. And I've known that for you know for a while now, but um, 
that we'll see coach and I are going to have to make some, some tough decisions and we know it's a long year uh, when it goes with that. You know, punting, we need consistent behavior. There's two kids out there, really three. David Chappelle has gotten better and better. But they need consistent behavior because that position has got to get better for us to, to, to be who we need to be. We need to exchange four yards when we punt. We feel really good about the core kids out there, and I love that. Yeah, like this is a fun team, offense, defense, special teams to be around every day. When you look at the, the kicking stuff, like you look at them in practice, they like you said, they're you know they have talent. How do you put as much pressure on them as possible to get them ready for kicking in the big house, or you know, so that way that you kind of know what you have going to a game? And yeah, well, I think it's part of the Coach Houston culture, right? Pressure is not hard to apply around this place. You know, it, they know. I think when you got three really good kickers, your margin for error every rep counts. So that that you know, last scrimmage they were awesome. In the spring they were really good. You know, I think we we made a huge huge percentage of the kicks. Today wasn't as high. Um, but they're still really, really talented kids. I think just knowing that, if, hey, if I slip up and they all like each other, like, hey, my buddy's going to take my spot. Your edge room, defensive end, whatever yeah. we call it now. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> um, just how the, how's that group coming along, especially with Jeremy coming back from injury and yeah. just kind of run us through the positions there. Um, I will say, first of all, and I say this to my wife all the time, it's a really fun group to go coach every day. Like, my best times of my day are going in there and closing the door and being with those kids. Um, and they're, they're good. I've got two deep. Like, run them out there, be fresh. Jeremy Lewis, Jack Powers, and Sam Danka are three guys. I'm like, hey, Blake, how are we going to get all these guys on the field? Jeremy's healthy. We're good to go. He's playing at a higher level, smarter, playing faster, physical. Jack Powers, all he does is get better every day. Go out there today, oh, who made that tackle? Jack. Jack did. Jack did. Sam Danka's a, I mean, just, he's a machine. Like his ceiling is probably higher than all of them. Uh, we're going to have to get him on the field. Um, then on the other side, um, Chad Stevens is tough, tough, tough. Like, I don't know how many TFLs he had in that bowl game against Coastal, and all he's done is build on that. Had a very, very good camp. But the, his brand of football, he's a very physical kid. He likes contact. Um, so, you know, he's got to have someone to spell him. Roy had an overflow of guys, so now J.D. Lampley spent a lot of time with us. Yeah, give me good players, and all of a sudden I'm really smart. You know, so Chad and J.D. are a hell of a combination, I think, as we go through the season. Um, Eric Doctor is quietly here. I think he played safety in high school, which is unbelievable to look at, and then he played rush, and now he's playing in. And he is probably one of those kids in camp who really say, boy, he's had as good a camp as anybody you know, on the defense as far as stock rising. So said, I'm, I'm blessed right now in that position, and it's a long year, so I'm excited about those guys and see how they do. I know the, the freshmen like Jenkins and Davis are probably a ways away, but have you seen flashes from them early on? Everything says we hit two for two on those, you know, and, and God willing, you know, that those guys I just talked about will help those guys just go live with Big John in the weight room. And I think, like, everything says we hit on them. Those guys, you know, might move positions as they grow and their body changes, but they can bend, they can run, they like football, they like contact. Like, I feel really good about that recruiting class. There is special teams coordinator and defensive end slash outside linebackers coach Tim Doust at Saturday's media day. You can hear all the chatter there in the background. It was a uh, crowded room, uh, a crowded room for sure, but good interview with Tim Doust. One of the things he he talked about, Philip, and one of the things that I've noticed this camp is the kickers, like, I know that last year was a sore subject and they didn't perform on the game day, but, like, the kickers – 
and it sounds like they maybe missed a couple kicks in the scrimmage, but every time I'm out there, man, they look good. Like, the talent is there, and now it's just – I think it's all mental. Like, can they handle it on game day? And the most interesting part for me is they brought in VMI transfer Jerry Rice, and he basically – two weeks into camp realized he was not going to win the competition. So he left. And that's because Andrew Conrad, uh, Carson Smith and Lath margin, the returners were performing so well. So the talent is there now. It's just, can one of these guys take it into, into game day? Yeah, it is. And, you know, as you mentioned, we're going to be doing our season picks going on, on Monday. And a lot of these games, and you can pick us to win five games or nine games probably this year with the same amount of confidence. But a lot of these games are going to come down to late game kicks. I could see a lot of these games going one way or another. And, you know, we've seen it over the last two years. The great kick at Navy a couple years ago is the reason the Pirates won that game. But then you go back to the NC State game last year, bad kicking is the reason we lost that game. And I think right now, this schedule, when you look at it, a lot of teams, talent level is equal to the Pirates. So it's going to come down to late game plays. Yes, from the 11 guys on the field that are on the field every play, offense and defense, but it's going to be a lot on the kicker's shoulders as well. And it's great to hear that all three of these kids hang out legit like each other because I think at the end of the day, when the two guys behind you, I mean, yeah, maybe they secretly want you to fail a little bit because they want to be in the game. But at the end of the day, that if you really are friends with the guys, I think you can get more of a support. Whereas if they didn't really like each other and they were, you know, kind of openly wanting each other to fail, it was even going to put that much more pressure on these guys. So hopefully they can uh, be there for each other in the good times as well as the bad times and hopefully that will uh help us out late in games because like i said a lot of games are going to probably come down to last second field goals and i think this year at least early in the year to the passing game find this footing you're, you're going to have to rely on your running game and defense and if you're going to play that style you got to be good in the kicking game you got to be good on special teams and, and i know look being out there at practice, nobody, no coach I've covered has worked special teams as much as this staff. So it's not like they're just sitting there not working on it. They have heavily, heavily emphasized it, and, and they put the kickers under a ton of pressure in practice. We'll see how it translates to game day. All right, let's get a break in here in a minute. Uh, Steve Hill on Twitter says, good to hear you guys back on the air, Stephen and Phillip. So thanks, Steve, for tuning in. Also, Robert uh, wants to know if I'm sticking with my July 45-14 prediction. So there you go, Philip. He's already he's already memorized my prediction from July for ECU Michigan. There you go. Um, so th- there's the guy. Uh, as of right now, I'll say, Robert, that I'm thinking more. Uh, I'm thinking more like 45-21. No, no, I don't think he, I don't think ECU's going to score that much. I'll, I'll go more 38. 38- 17 as of right now but again subject to change into next week we'll see still got to do more homework on michigan and as i do that that score might get a little further apart as far as margin um but let's get another break in uh we'll we'll get phillips uh next week we'll get his score prediction on the record uh we'll come back we'll talk about one of the best stories from saturday jari patterson going on scholarship we have an interview with him and a whole lot more you're listening to hoist the colors on 94.3 the game the Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! 94.3, the game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors, 94.3, the game, on this Monday, August 21st, 12 days away 
from kickoff in Ann Arbor. 12 days from now, the Pirates will be uh, hopefully leading at the end of the first quarter. You never know. We'll get more into that talk as we uh, get into next week and later this week as well. Philip Pilkington alongside uh, one of the best stories from Saturday, Philip, was Jari Patterson going on scholarship. Did you get to see that video posted on social media? No, unfortunately, I did not. I uh, I posted yeah. all my videos on social media and kind of checked out yeah. for the day. I was tired. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, definitely check it out, man, because it was to me, it's like and you can watch it. We're about to play the interview with Jari. Um, it's only about a minute long or so from on the ECU football social media page. But it's like, you know, we, we make so much of a deal about college football now and all the stuff that's wrong with it. But for for this story, like this is what, you know, this is why I got into the profession sharing these stories, uh, being able to tell these these types of things. Uh, Jari transferred from Marshall. He was a really highly touted recruit out of Reynolds High School in Asheville. Didn't have the grades. Went to Marshall as a non-qualifier. Got his scholarship basically cut there after a coaching change. Came here as a preferred walk-on. Had some ups and downs. Was actually ineligible for last season after looking like it was going to play. Instead of running away from it, comes back, practices every day, despite not being eligible to play. Was eligible for the bowl game. Comes back this spring. Just puts in the work every day, and he was awarded a scholarship on Saturday at the conclusion of the preseason scrimmage. So let's catch up with Jari Patterson from Saturday's Media Day. Here is that interview uh, from Saturday. Yeah, just obviously, I know when you came in, that was that was I'm sure your goal. But having to work so hard for it and reach this pump, this moment, what was it? What, what did it mean to you? Well, I mean. The scholarship, I just I work so hard for, you know, day in, day out. Just trying to take stress off my mom. We have to pay for school, you know, and it's just like um, now it's finally here. It's just a dream come true. What was it like celebrating with your, your teammates uh, at that moment? It felt good. I keep rewatching the video. It gives me chills every time. Just I just love how happy they were for me, you know. Did you have any, you know, idea it may have been coming or was it out of left field? Uh, you know, I know obviously like we talked about, I've been working to this point, but any idea it was coming? I mean, I didn't really have no idea that it was coming, but I mean, uh, my teammates been saying there's been a lot of buzz around the room, in the locker room and stuff, but just, I just kept working. I didn't want to really want to think about it a lot and just get my hopes up and then it don't come, but it's been, I'm happy it's here. Though. Obviously, at the end of the video, you kind of told Coach Houston, hey, thanks for, you know, sticking with me. You know, what What's y'all's relationship been like? I'm sure some ups and downs. And, to, you know, just overall, how would you kind of describe that? Well, you know, last year I was ineligible, so I felt like I had let him down and the team down. But it's like no one ever gave up on me. And I just felt like I had to prove everyone and just that I can do this and just make everyone proud. So I just kept working head down, just kept doing what I had to do. And here. I think he's more When you got that news last offseason, like, I mean, how – how discouraging was that? And then, like, you know, I, I've been around this long enough to know when some guys get that news, they just kind of quit or they give up. Like, for you to keep practicing, continue to get your way back, like, kind of take us through that journey. Well, just to get back on the field was, like, I told my mom, I promised her that I was going to do this. And it, just, it was a lot of stress and a lot of adversity. But, I mean, I pushed through, and I'm just so happy that I got the scholarship now. And you've had a great preseason on the field, kind of playing a little bit of – 
everything as far as positioning. Kind of walk us through that and what that process has been like, learning different spots and kind of finding your role in this offense. I mean, I feel like um, I got. I feel like I'm gonna be a big role in the offense this year. You know, um, I waited my turn, and it's just a blessing. I pray for this, and I'm just so happy it's here. You know. All right, there's Jari Patterson again, giving a uh, full scholarship after Saturday's scrimmage. His uh, his teammate Devin King, who also transferred in from Marshall, he got a scholarship last December. So both those guys kind of bet on themselves, came to ECU and put in a lot of hard work to get to this point. But Philip, definitely, you know, when you see these stories, man, it, it, it's you know sends good vibes. It really makes you feel good because uh, you know. We always look at these guys as just football players, but there's so much more that goes into it than that. Uh, that you know, they're human beings, and each one has a story. And in Jari's case, it's definitely good to see him reach this point. A lot of sorry, it speaks a lot of his character. Um, a lot of guys in his situation would have quit, especially after the second time. You know, uh, things didn't go his way at Marshall. Half the guys would have quit then. And then, you know, he comes in academically ineligible for, you know, last year. And even more guys would have quit then. But, you know, it just when you see that happen to a young man, you're happy for him. But uh, you also realize, hey, if this guy has that much work ethic and that much drive, what does this mean to him as a football player? I know, like you said, you brought the point. They are humans, and that is the more more important part of the story. But, you know, you can also look at it from the fan side of a guy who plays for your team. I mean, uh He's willing to put his neck on the line out on the field, I bet, just as well. So it's, I'm looking forward to watching him play. And he really, I mean, that's the thing is he can play. I mean, it, it's not just a cool story. Like, I think he's going to be a, a really key part of this offense. If you go back and watch his highlight tape, he had some major offers out of high school originally because he can play super shifty, just get the ball in his hands, and he can make guys miss uh, and, and make dynamic plays happen. So – you know, he's worked kind of all over the offense, kind of a slot receiver, but can can do a lot of different things. I, I expect him to get the ball a ton this this season, or early this season, especially because he has earned that spot uh, along with several of these other young, impressive receivers. All right, let's get our final break in, come back. We may try and hit some more audio. Again, we got all week to get to this stuff and along with some more interviews as well, so we'll continue to run this. But definitely want to run Jari today coming off that big news uh we'll have more thoughts from philip as well we may even talk about some major league baseball playoff races uh, on the other side you're listening to hoist the colors on 94.3 the game All right, let's go. back to hoist the colors with steven Iko. drink up me hearty joe on 94.3 the game all right welcome back into hoist the colors 94.3 the game starting off a new week it is week zero week. We got some football action this Saturday. We may talk about that before we get out of here, but definitely we'll preview it at some point this week. We also got Keaton Mitchell in action on ESPN tonight, the former ECU running back. The Ravens will be at the Commanders. Monday night football tonight on ESPN. Philip Pilkington is with us on today's show. You going to tune in to see if we can see some Keaton Mitchell tonight? Yeah, I am. It might be a little bit of a later night before he gets in, but – uh. I was actually just talking to a former IBX uh, media uh, employee, Chris Cook. We're going to hang out and watch the game together tonight. So hopefully uh, Keaton can uh, show what he can do. He had the big run last week that was unfortunately called back. And I tell you what, man, the Ravens have a deep backfield, but 
they got to make a tough decision because if you let Keith Mitchell go and cut him, I still feel like he's going to be a highly valued running back on the free agent market. Uh, I know they'll try and get him back on the practice squad, but at that point, you basically open him up for any team to sign him, and I think he's shown enough this preseason just in clips. He's going to get a shot somewhere, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully he has a good Good uh, good second game tonight with the Ravens. Uh, on YouTube, Russ Walker wants to know, hey, Igo, do you want to tailgate with me? Uh, Russ, where are you Where are you tailgating at these days? A. Uh, B, um, I do have to, to do my job, so I can only do so much actual tailgating on game days. But uh, I am more than, than welcome or more than happy to stop by if you'll welcome me. And um, let me know. Shoot me a text and – We'll get the whole – I tell you what, we'll take college game day to you, Russ. We're coming to your tailgate. Uh, there we <laughs> go. Patrick Johnson, Philip Pilkington, myself, maybe T-Cop as well. We'll have Clark Willis there Woo! Uh, producing. Joe Sampson and, uh, will we'll be on site. Time. Joe Sampson will be there. We'll, we'll try and get Macy O'Donnell over there. We'll just – I tell you what, we'll get 11 guys and we'll, we'll be – We'll have a football game going. There you go. Our, tailgate, his tailgate so. squad against against the IVX media staff. What do you, what do you guys that say? That would be that would be a, a ton of fun. It I'm down be. to do that. So let us know, Russ. Let us know where you're tailgating. Um, again, we got a ton of audio to get to. We don't have enough time today. Uh, we got Blake Carroll tomorrow, and so we'll have that interview uh, live, and then we'll have media day interviews from the following people throughout the week. Just want to give you guys a rundown here. So we talked to Tim Dallas and Jari Patterson. We've got seven more interviews that I've done. Also, if we need to, we can go to some other interviews that the 94.3 staff has done along with uh, my interns at Hoist the Colors. So we got Darrell Roberts, Alan Mogridge, Hampton Urgle, Parker Moore, Siobhan Rebel, Rod Dealworth, J.D. Lampley on the way throughout the coming days as well. All right, just a couple minutes left we got to talk some MLB, Philip, and I don't care if anybody cares. Uh, if you've made it to this point in the show, uh, thank you for sticking with us. The Seattle Mariners, I'm wearing teal, my teal 24-7 sports. They, uh, they swept the, the, the Houston Trastros in Houston over the weekend. The Boston Red Sox, which you are a fan of, swept the New York Yankees. The Mariners are coming for the AL West, but they are in the wild card as of right now. The Red Sox only three games behind them for the third wild card spot. What's your confidence level like in the Red Sox these days? Um, they've I don't know, man. It's been like a heart rate monitor, man. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. But the great thing is they have the second toughest schedule the rest of the way, and they have played to their competition this year. So uh, we'll see. Seven of their next ten are against those Houston Astros you just brought up. So uh, the good thing is you guys put a lot of runs up against them and uh, knocked around that bullpen a little bit. So uh, hopefully uh, when we make it down to Minute Maid Park tonight, that bullpen will be a uh, a little taxed. So um, my confidence level is I, I say that they got to stand about a third of a chance to make the playoffs. So go about 30 to 33 percent that they make the playoffs how about you and your mariners hey as long as the mariners and red sox team up to knock out the astros there you the playoffs, go i'm i'm all about it yeah i feel good about seattle they're they're peaking at the right time they've always been able to pitch and now they're finally getting some bats and julio rodriguez is on another planet so uh look we're in eastern north carolina but i'm going to talk seattle mariners whenever i can I've you have to man theme show you haven't had a lot to brag to, about in your it. lifetime as a mariners fan you gotta do it when you can do it 
It's been too quiet for too long. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, 12 noon. We'll have Blake Carroll. We'll have more ECU talk. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 94.3thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.